0: This is The Blood Doctor Show on a Monday evening, and for me, the very saddest of Monday evenings just going to dive right in. I didn't do any of the promised episodes this weekend because I lost a beloved family pet this weekend, my best friend in the world. The only animal that I ever cared about for a very long time, my cat Jade, passed away. She was 19. She lived a very good life. But this weekend sucked for that reason. And so, as I was going to do other things, I did not end up doing them. And that was difficult. But... Unfortunately for me, life goes on. And I miss my cat, and I always will. And I know that some people think it's weird for some people to have an obsession with their cats or to treat their animals and pets like family I don't really give a fuck what you think my cat was the best cat in the world she was always there for you when you were sad she knew when people were depressed and she would just walk up to you and sit there and rub her head on you she was just, quite frankly just the best cat in the world I'm going to miss her forever but because of that I couldn't do anything this weekend. I, uh, there was no possibility to record anything else. As I saw my cat getting sicker and sicker, I just really didn't care about podcasting, obviously. So, uh, rest in peace to my cat, who I think of as my fur baby. I don't care what anyone can do to that. I will always miss her. I still have two other animals who I love very much, but it is hard to lose the first pet that. You ever actually connected with my family? Had other pets when I was younger, but I was not so much, I just didn't have a connection to them. And this cat was the first one that I really did, first animal I had any sort of connection with, cat or dog. And so that will always be appreciated. And luckily for me, I believe in animal reincarnation. So, Jade, one day I'll find you again. Until then, rest in peace. And now. From the cat eulogy section onto the rest of The Blood Doctor Show. In studio with me, for all the regular listener of the show, I've mentioned several times that I wanted to get my best friend on, and now I'm going to do that. Keith, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Welcome to The Blood Doctor Show. It was extremely exciting. Glad to be here. I've mentioned you so many times, and so the very few people who have listened to this on repeat or whatever, you know, they know... They know you by reputation and name at this point. I hope I live up. Actually, I guess they don't, I don't know if they know you by reputation, because I've been, I, I just referred to you as my best friend. I guess that your reputation at this point is best friend of the Blood Doctor, which in and of itself is, I mean, it's probably bad for your reputation, reputation, I can't even say the word.
1: Well, among your listeners, I would imagine be good, though.
0: Sure, so, sure. So if you're um, a listener
1: viewer, that must be pretty good for me.
0: But aren't you, like, the only main one?
1: So it's good. Then. It's good. Okay. Yeah. So you
0: being here increases the potential that you are going to listen to the episode. Yeah. You know,
1: and, you know, me being a listener of the show, if you like this guy, Keith, he must be a pretty good guy. You know, that's yeah. me. So I feel good about that.
0: So you're being a reference for yourself. Yeah. Perfect. I like it. This is a very good idea.
1: Uh, <laughs> I haven't really put that much thought into it.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. So after this weekend, the terrible portions, at least. There was a whole lot of alcohol and a whole lot of weed and a whole lot of trying to pass the time doing other things. And one of the things that we chose to do was, at your suggestion, might I add, to which Mrs. The Blunt Doctor, as I like to call her, it said you. she banned you from picking movies for... Three months? Three months. I think it was three months. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. if if you've ever watched How I Met Your Mother and you're curious about the relationship between... Me and Keith and my girlfriend, Ted Lillian Marshall. It's basically the same thing. So anyway, except Brittany's not scheming <laughs> to like break you up with anyone that you might date is really the only thing. That's true. But you know she would the porch test. She would she would totally do that. Like three people would understand what I'm talking about. Anyway, so one of the things we chose to do to pass the time this weekend was watch Promising Young Woman. A film, which some people refer to as a dark comedy. I refer to as a punching a fist through a wall. I'll be clear, and I'll be up front, there will be spoilers. There will be many, many spoilers. So, in the event that you intend to see this movie, uh, you are someone who wants to watch this movie. Turn this off right now, because we're going to sit here and discuss this movie in depth about why i why i raged um when did this movie come out first do you know when it was recent it was
1: it was released like december okay
0: so maybe december
1: 26th or something
0: okay so this is a recent movie yeah so we're so we're watching something brand new okay that's good
1: it was on a Uh, script Uh, have you heard of the blacklist it's like a script blacklist
0: um no
1: I guess I just heard about it when I was coming through comment sections about this movie. There's like a script blacklist of all the most popular scripts being passed around Hollywood. And this was on that in like 2018. So it's pretty recent, I guess.
0: Okay. So that's funny because blacklist you'd think would mean would never be produced or something like that. Right, right,
1: right. I thought it was a... It meant the TV show. I was like, this was a script for The Blacklist. (laughs) That's
0: actually the first thing that came to (laughs) mind when you asked me, do you you know The Blacklist? I was like, are you talking about McCarthyism or Spader? So, it's been... It was hot. It's been made. Um, And it is... To put it in one word, infuriating. (laughs) Because, again, spoilers, the movie is very good... Up until the last 10 minutes, which are then just I mean, eye-stabbingly bad. I don't really know how to... I mean, it, the only thing to do is just explain it. And essentially, it is a woman who, um, I mean, in sort of a Me Too movement way, a, wo- a woman whose friend is sexually assaulted, is raped, um, kills herself, and this friend sends out on to avenge
1: her. Right.
0: And... You know.
1: It was reported when it happened and no one listened.
0: Yeah, she reported it to her college guidance counselor, right? Yeah. No one listened. Nothing happened. Yeah. The guy went on to live a successful life. It's
1: like um, seven years later
0: after that. It's like seven years after that. The girl who kills herself is not even in the movie. Her name is Nina. So Nina's not even in the movie. She's just talked about. Um they didn't even cast anyone. She's not even shown in like a flashback. But Nina kills herself and Cassie, our main character goes to avenge her rape and her death by ruining the lives of the people who ruined the life of her best friend. And in a very death wish way, you know, it just sort of shows the the perils and pitfalls of doing that. What was your What was your take on the movie? So we're at this point just like knowing that she's avenging, like, what was your take on the movie as you were watching it, before you got to what we'll spoil in a moment? Like, what was your take on the movie overall before that?
1: I was just, I was really enjoying it, you know, I wanted to see where it was going. Um, you know, I thought it was kind of going to be predictable. I, I assumed she was going to go there and get her revenge, you know? Right. And so, I was just kind of, I didn't really think about it as anything like transcending any kind of Genre or anything like that. Like, I didn't think it was like anything super original at the, at that moment, you know. But just, I was really enjoying it. You're just
0: watching a good film. Yeah. So, not nothing earth shattering, yeah. but you're watching a good movie, you're enjoying it. Yeah. And the lead actress, I don't know her name, um, it's
1: Carrie, Carrie Mulligan.
0: Okay. Carrie Mulligan. She's very good. And she's very, um, in the final, you know, showdown. She, you know, she's really dressed. Uh, she, she's supposed to be, um,
1: she looks like Harley
0: Quinn. She looks like Harley Quinn. Yeah. And yeah. she did a, she looks, she looks and acts very, she's a badass, you know. Yeah. Um, I really like her character a lot. And there's a lot of, you know, classic good guy types in this movie, you know. McLovin's in it. Adam Brody's in it. Bo Burnham's in it. You know, classic dudes who can play that kind of... Not that Bo Burnham's a good guy, but he he has those looks.
1: Guys that, you know, sometimes play romantic comedy leads. Sure.
0: And that's the perfect type of guys to play. And they're essentially... She gets drunk, she goes to clubs, and depending on... Or she pretends to be drunk in clubs, and depending on what the guys do to her, she... It's sort of implied she kills...
1: Yeah. Or... They make you think she kills them. Yeah. They, they purposely do that at first. They
0: never show her kill anyone. They show blood. But they... She at the very least it injures these people.
1: The blood was a jelly donut.
0: Ah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so, so they even got me there. Yeah. So... Whatever she does... She pretends to be drunk... And... Does whatever she does to get these guys to stop date-raping women... It goes downhill, and eventually, she ends up at the bachelor party of the guy who raped her friend, and she is there to essentially again avenge him. And she's going to carve his her friend's name into his body. And he escapes the harness or the chains, the, the handcuffs that she's put him in, and he
1: suffocates her. The main character dies. Fifteen minutes with left to <sighs> go in the movie. She's just dead.
0: And it's not like a trick. Yeah. Or how do you do a ho, ho, ho? It's just, she's just gone.
1: And it's not a typical Hollywood suffocation scene too, where they like choke them for 10 seconds and they're dead.
0: It's absolutely fucking brutal.
1: Yeah. It goes on for a long time.
0: And in a movie that feels extremely Me Too oriented, like, what the fuck? And I was like, what the fuck? Like, What the fuck? Like, there's literally nothing the fucking else to say. Like, I don't... Like, killing your main character is one thing. In a movie where a main character dies by some form of heroism or, you know, some form of sacrificing themselves or whatever the case may be, there are acceptable moments. I mean, Iron Man dies in Avengers, right? Like, sometimes your main character dies, but what the fucking fuck... And like you said, like, it's a long... Like, we have to, like, literally watch her, like, scream and fight. I am not... I... (laughs) This movie is ostensibly, like... A Death Wish take on the Me Too movement. And I guess it ends in the same way as Death Wish, which... You shouldn't have done that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, this is where we end up. But it's like, man... Uh.
1: I, I was fucking infuriated. I don't know how else to put it. So I, so was I. I almost closed my laptop when I was watching it. Well, I just admitted to watching it on my laptop.
0: That's fine. We purchased <laughs> streamer copies because we're members of the streamer purchase association. Uh-huh. So
1: anyway, I did buy a ticket. You know, for for the movie theater. To be fair,
0: well, you're just outing us as having watched a pirated copy anyway. But that's fine. Whatever. We're software pirates. Mm-hmm. I hacked into the RIAA myself with my hacker password. Haxi, haxi. I'm just going to edit this out. Anyway. (laughs) So. I. I, So you almost threw your laptop.
1: Yeah. I I debated (sighs) why. I was like, why should I finish?
0: Right. Because there's still 15 minutes. There's still
1: 15 minutes. I'm like, what's the point? I don't fucking care about these two guys. Yeah. It
0: reminds me of when Andrea gets shot in Breaking Bad. And I, like, threw a lighter across the room. And I was like, why am I watching the show anymore? Like, if you're murdering everything that matters to Jesse, yeah. and Jesse is the only character that I care about, why am I watching? And all I care about is this girl. Her friend has already died. Right. And now she's dead.
1: Yeah. The only, I, I was basically like, you know, I enjoyed the movie so much up to this point, there has to be something else that's going to happen. You
0: know? Did you I think... gave them the benefit of the doubt. Did you think she was going to be alive? Like, with I the hope, 15 minutes left, did you think there was going to be some twist ending where she was alive?
1: Not after the next morning, no.
0: No. But when he initially strangled her. I thought it could be possible. And then the next morning, they burn her body. Yeah. Schmidt from fucking New Girl burns her body. Yeah. And they, like, show... It's brutal. It's uncomfortable yeah. how much they show of that. Her bloated hand in the water. like It's like horror movie level stuff.
1: Yeah. It takes a turn, you know, because half the movies are rom-com from, like, the 90s. Yeah.
0: Right. There's literally a scene where her and Bo Burnham are singing a Paris Hilton song yeah. in a pharmacy. Yeah, they're like, dancing. Like, yeah. where the fuck are we? And then at the end, she's getting burned. And ultimately, you said that she said it was a dark comedy. Right. Or a black comedy, right?
1: Yeah. Emerald so, er, you know, Fennell.
0: So that's the, that's ultimately the, was this directed by a man or a woman? Woman. Emerald
1: Fennel. Okay. Fennell.
0: Okay. Okay. So she's the one who said it was a black comedy. Yeah. Okay.
1: She wrote and directed
0: it. I thought that you said it was the lead actress. who said, that. okay. So the, so, so that I mean, it ultimately in the end, she gets herself murdered. But there's a tape of her friend having been raped, which she mails to a lawyer fixer guy, yeah. and then she tells him to tell the police, and she also schedules a message sending the video. To Bo Burnham, who's her ex-boyfriend and everyone. And essentially, she gets herself killed, but then uses you know, sneaky means to ruin their lives after she's already dead, and you know, signs the scheduled text message from Cassie and Nina as if it's some sort of karmic justice. They're dead. Right. I don't I don't I don't understand how both women being dead. And, like, yes, all white men are evil, which we all agree. Mm-hmm. But, like, we all know that. And I don't... Under- I guess I don't... They all get arrested, but, like, they're alive. These two are dead. Di- I just don't... I just don't understand. I just didn't get it. I don't understand killing your main character when... The entire point of the movie was that everything was so horrible because her friend was dead. So how is then... She dies.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I don't... It's... I just don't even... Well, it makes me wonder what... You know, because when she describes it as a, that doesn't sound like a dark comedy to me. You know, if that's what you're describing, it sounds like a tragedy to me. Right. You know, and if that's what you're going for, you know, for someone to learn the lesson that you shouldn't take vengeance to the end, maybe you should taper, you know, your justice a little bit.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's like, it's like, yeah. I mean, yeah, because it's like there are elements that are a dark comedy, and yeah, there are elements yeah, that are. To part. It's just, it's just bizarre. Like, I just, like I said to you, like, it would be like if, you know, Happy Death Day or Happy Death Day to you ended oh. with, you know, what's her name getting shot in the face. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't jive with what we're trying to do here. I just didn't yeah. get it. I just, and I enjoyed the rest of the movie otherwise. So that's the most disappointing part. It's like, oh, this is good. Oh, look at this horrendous thing that I fucking hated. Like, I, I just don't even know necessarily how to deal with that. Like,
1: one thing i it's like i I'm as a man like I don't necessarily understand everything that goes into you know what a woman's thinking, very true so when I'm trying to dissect this movie, I don't really you know know where they're going where they're coming from and that's, thats really
0: yeah i I you know and i i mean we could yeah, I mean I wish Mrs. the blood doctor was yeah. available to to answer that question, but unfortunately she's not at this time, but that is a fair point I don't. Understand the perspective of what you know. I might understand the perspective of a gender fluid woman, but not necessarily what these women are trying to say. The only way to stop a man is, you know, for through your own death. I, I don't know exactly yeah. what the but I just
1: what I what I see is like even when a guy is handcuffed, they can still overpower you as a woman, like even when you think you're in complete control of the situation. this a man can still physically overpower power you, like, in a sexual situation or just, like, a physical situation. I don't know, like... Right. That's, like, the lesson I learned from that scene.
0: And it's not even necessarily true. And that's the thing that I think is so weird about that is that, like... I mean, obviously, there are plenty of women who are badass fighters. Yeah. And this chick was a badass, so I thought it was weird.
1: You read up uh, stories all the time of women escaping kill killers, you know?
0: Well, and I just thought that this badass character who was such a badass who, like drugged everyone, all the other men in the house, so that they couldn't help him. Like, she didn't have a plan of how to keep this guy. And, like, that's what makes you think... That's what made me think, at least, like, she went in there wanting to die. Yeah. Like, it was her plan to die, because...
1: like, why hot handcuff him?
0: Well, yeah, she handcuffed him to a bed with, like, weak handcuffs, and it was, like, just to a... Bed frame, like that's not like that. She
1: drugged the entire house, like, and you, then you know,
0: didn't really do anything to him.
1: If you wanted that to be your intention, to sh- you should show that, and you should show her kind of loosen the handcuff a little bit, a uh, frame of that, so we know. Oh, okay, why is she leaving that loose? And right, and he overpowers her, and we're like, okay, we she wanted this to happen,
0: right? And because the, the letter she wrote him said she she wrote to the like private investigator lawyer whatever fixer guy they, they yeah. don't really clarify necessarily um but the he letter she defended
1: Schubert, the guy the, the bachelor
0: was he but when they said defended did they he was a lawyer yeah okay so he was yeah so, so well they also you. said that he went behind for other lawyers and did like michael clayton type yeah. fixer shit so i didn't know if that was also lawyer shit or if he was somehow a but i guess michael clayton was also a lawyer wasn't he so fair enough so in any case, the point is she wrote the letter to him. The letter to him says if something happens to me. So she clearly was aware of the possibility. But right. that's just what I found interesting, is it's like, yeah, it seemed like the implication was no matter what you do, a, you know, a woman can't defeat a man or something. Just just which is obviously not true. Right. So it was just a bizarre I just and so obviously we didn't get it. Like yeah. like, yeah, it's maybe not necessarily aimed at us, and we didn't necessarily get those portions. And I understand all of those things, and that's fair. Mm-hmm. And I would be interested to hear, because she didn't want to ruin... Right. Her answers on the movie were sort of vague about this, because she didn't want to ruin the ending. So, some of that may come out in time. But I just... What I don't understand is, through whatever message you're trying to tell... How is killing your main character with 15 minutes left in the movie ever the means of like when Pulp Fiction was originally screened, they showed it in chronological order where John Travolta dies like halfway through the movie Mm -hmm. and everyone fucking hated it. So they recut the movie into what it is now that everyone except for me loves. And not that it's so long after she dies, but. We're, like, rooting for her the whole time. Then she's just dead. And then you're just, like, watching people dispose of her body and lie to... Like, I just don't... I just...
1: It didn't feel good, yeah. No,
0: yeah, it didn't feel good, yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Like, it's just... In, some of it is, you know, well, this is real, but... That's how I go to movies.
1: Right. But it's not real, because... I don't think... He would have overpowered her in that situation if it weren't real.
0: I just think she was way too smart to be overpowered by a simple loser who had one of his hands still chained to a bed. Like, it didn't even make sense to me. And also, like, I just don't understand. She was so smart. She had the whole situation planned. It seemed like an incredibly weak death. It was like Glass. When at the end of Glass... We're just... I'm just ruining all kinds of movies Mm -hmm. here. At the end of Glass, Bruce Willis gets drowned. And that's the end of the... The, um, the unbreakable trilogy is, is the main character gets drowned by a secret society because his weakness is water. Have Night and does it again. The weakness is water, but it's just like, wh- okay, so why did I just watch three movies? There's no resolution. There's no, at the end of that movie, they're like, they put the security footage out and they're like, now people will know. Yeah. Cause footage can't be faked. It's just. I don't understand these people who want to take your joy and just rip it right out. And then she's like, oh, but she scheduled text messages. (laughs) I just don't. I was mad. I was honestly just mad. And Brittany was mad, too. I know. Like, that's the other thing, too. I, I said Mrs. The Blood Doctor was not available. Let it be known. Her opinion of the movie was again, she banned Keith from picking movies. And she didn't really mean it, but that was how much she disliked the movie in the moment. I even said, yeah. yeah, And I even said to Keith, I was like, why would you think I would want to watch this? How dare you? And I was like, Oh, this is what you mean when you said it would be a good podcast reaction. I was like, all kinds of indignant. I just, I have attitude problems, y'all. It's real. It's not just for the podcast, but. He was very correct because it does make for a very good podcast reaction. Because I just don't understand killing your main fucking character. It drives me nuts. Man. It drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. In that situation, it drives me nuts. Again, I can understand it in certain scenarios. There's a heroic whatever. There are scenarios where it's acceptable. Yeah. This one was not one of them. And I just didn't like it. And I just I don't know. I, I don't know how else to feel about it. I don't know. What do you think? Do you have what else do you feel about it? I just don't even know what else to feel. I just hated the ending. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I didn't like the ending either. It's a very interesting movie to me because I feel like I would still find myself recommending it to people only because I enjoyed it so much up to that point. I
0: mean, you recommended it to me. To be clear, he had seen it before um, we all watched it together. So he knew. (laughs) And Misery Loves Company. But uh, but you recommended it to me. Like, you thought we would enjoy it. Yeah. Mm.
1: And I ultimately don't
0: regret having seen it. I don't either.
1: Yeah. Like, it's a good... But, like,
0: I, I... Like, if, if you asked me to IMDb rate it, I have no clue what I would put.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good, yeah. What
0: would you, okay, so you're on IMDb and you're rating this. What do you put? Seven, maybe? See, I feel like that's way too generous. Yeah. What would you, okay, so what would you have rated Midsummer? Midsummer? Midsummer is a movie that I and Brittany fucking hated because of its mischaracterization of bipolar disorder. But it's a movie that Keith enjoyed, not because he's an asshole and doesn't care about bipolar disorder, but because he, in fact, just enjoys good film. Uh, in in the event that I haven't mentioned it, I've been diagnosed as bipolar before. Advocate for mental health. Woo! Anyway, the point is, midsummer is bullshit when it comes to mental health. It is. That's the one thing about the... I mean, yeah. I could have ignored... And in fact, the rest of the movie is fine. It's just that it like, started off really yeah. pissing me off, and yeah. then it was really hard to come back from that.
1: My sister's bipolar, so she killed herself and my mother. I,
0: I know. I'm taking oh. mom and dad with me. Oh my god. Anyway, so... Uh, that that aside, that horrible horrible misunderstanding of mental disorder aside, um, what would you put? Mis- and so, just we know that that weighs it down. But let's just we'll throw that part out for a minute. And how would you rate Midsummer on IMDb?
1: I probably still in the seven range, but I, I would give an edge to Midsummer because of, from, from the imagery, I think I think it has some really good like art design.
0: It does. In that movie, Midsummer, was crafted well. Yeah. So. I would give so you say. So they both say. You both said seven range. So yeah.
1: So yeah, okay, seven point five in a midsummer like.
0: So you give the half star to midsummer, yeah, and you just give a seven to this movie, yeah. So like, there's no way I'm going above a six for this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you could talk to me about a six and a half, and I would like sit there and I would nod and I'd mm-hmm. let you finish your sentence, but I just I can't think. I just can't. I just because to me like. No matter what you're discussing, when you're rating something, if you rate it a 6 out of 10, it's like, yeah, it was good, but in no way could it be construed as like in competition for the best or one of the best or, you know, Mm -hmm. a 6 is just a perfect, like, yeah, it was acceptable, you know? Mm -hmm. If you complete 6 out of every 10 passes as a quarterback in this day and age, you're okay, you're not great. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's you know six is you fine. You know, yeah. And a six and a half, you could be really good. So I'm, I'm not on the football pass percentage rating scale. I'm not willing to go above six. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's why I, I mean, <laughs> got into my head, I'd probably call the movie a five. It just right. frustrates. It just like I was feeling like the movie was a strong seven, seven and a half sort of range, and then the end just. I'm I'm a big proponent of. The end of things is so important that it can ruin everything else. Law-abiding citizen, we talk mm-hmm. about that one. <laughs> I, I hate to root for the bad guy sometimes, but law-abiding citizen really made you root for the bad guy and then took it away in the mm-hmm. most bizarre way. Yeah. And there are people out there right now, or a person out there right now, who's like, "What the fuck? You were rooting for <laughs> Gerard Butler, and law-abiding?" Citizen? But it just—he was charismatic. He really was, man. <laughs> I, dude, when he's like. When he gives the whole speech, he's like, I'm a law abiding citizen. I've never done anything wrong. And then they like give him bail. And then he's like, ah, I killed everyone. You're terrible. Ah, ah, ah. I was like, dude, we should watch that movie. We should, we should really watch. Cause I haven't watched it since we saw it in theaters. Yeah. We should, we should probably like riff tracks mm-hmm. some of these movies where we just sit here and talk about, them. but in yeah. any case, that was a good movie. I, I would say. Watch Promising Young Woman. Like, if you're someone who doesn't, you know... I mean, anyone who has listened to this at this point, obviously it's been spoiled. But there are obviously plenty of details and cool things that we left out. The movie is good. I would recommend it to people, but... Like, I don't know how I would recommend it to people without spoiling it. Like, I don't know what I would say.
1: I think the premise is good enough. I think that's a good premise.
0: I mean, when I had seen the previews, I had wanted to see it. So, so you would just... I mean, that's. A, I think that's what you told me. Essentially, was yeah, a girl whose friend is raped. She goes to avenge her. I think that you told me that essentially. Yeah, and I was and I I had forgotten about the previews and whatnot. Well, that because point.
1: of what happened to her friend in the beginning of the movie, she pretends to be drunk at bars to lure guys to go home with her. Right, to right. Teach them a lesson.
0: Right, know. and it just goes from there. Yeah, but I I would recommend it to people. Another thing I would recommend that's in a completely different. So after that movie, it was like. Well, we're going to go a whole other direction. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just going to take it back. And we won't talk about this one that long because, you know, people have seen it. So there's no reason to dive into it so much. But just something I wanted to talk about real quick is how cool the movie Moneyball is. And I had never bothered to watch it just because, I don't know. I have a weird thing about sports movies. Like, as much as I love sports, I, I don't love their representation in movies a lot of the time. I mean, I love, like, Major League, right? Major League is a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we all know, you know, obviously, there's a lot of Major League that's not, this is not how it is, or, you know. Um, but I've not always been a huge fan of sports movies. There are some I love, but the ones I love are more off, the, like, Kingpin mm-hmm. is great, but that's not like a, a movie about real bowling, <laughs> you know, right. it's Woody Harrelson being a douchebag in the best way. But... You know, Moneyball obviously tells the story of the 2001-2002 A's seasons, Billy Bean's whole, you know, scheme to win with no money and essentially how it worked. And I just, I think, and I said this to you last night, like, I think this is my favorite Brad Pitt movie that's not an Ocean's movie. Mm -hmm. And so you have not seen it before. Like, what? And you're, you like sports, but you're not, like, sports-obsessed like me. You're not a fanatic like I am. What did you think of the movie just watching it, like, as a sports fan but not someone who's sports-obsessed? Like, how did you feel?
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of sports movies either, really. You know, like the other sports baseball movies, it's like Angels in the Outfield as far as baseball goes. Right. You know, but I like this movie a lot. I would give this movie a solid eight.
0: Yes. I I would honestly probably give it a nine. I fucking love this movie, but I think that's... I think an eight, especially from someone who's not like a fanatic about sports, is a yeah. very strong thing for a sports
1: movie, like honestly. Because this is more almost about just negotiation and right. managing, you know, relationships. Right. And acting performances, you know, I like think with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, you know, everyone gives a really good performance in this. So it's just enjoyable to watch that.
0: Philip Seymour Hoffman's really good too. Yeah. You know, perhaps. he, he, he brings such a like realistic, portrayal of, like, the gruffness of a baseball manager, you know, like... You know? It's like your old grandfather who doesn't want to let you date someone. But, um... My... Yeah, I mean, my favorite scenes in this movie are the negotiation scenes where, you know, Brad Pitt as Billy Bean is talking to the other general managers and, Mm -hmm. you know, working trades with them. Yeah, I fucking love that. I could have watched like... Just four hours I know. of just them doing the trade negotiations. I could have just watched that all day. Me too.
1: Have you ever watched Arliss? Yeah, um,
0: okay, watched I've watched a little bit that. of it. But actually, see there again, that falls into my sports movie thing. Am I missing that Arliss actually portrayed
1: some negotiations? No, I've never watched Arliss. Okay, okay. Uh, I was wondering if we get more of that in a show like that. because. <laughs> If there's anything out there that has scenes like this, I want to watch it. Because anyway, this scene, I just wanted it to be a little bit longer. You know,
0: you know I, I this think is how I, we do
1: things in Cleveland. You know?
0: <laughs> this is how we do business in Cleveland. I think there are some things out there, and see, this is again. There will be people, a couple people who I know who might listen to this and take me to and be like, "What the fuck? You've never watched I or you've never watched? There was some show on Showtime or HBO, Ballers or something. I don't know. I you know, I just don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, the show I liked. It was a show on ESPN. Um, God, I feel like this must have been 1998, 1999, 2000, somewhere in that. Area. It was called Playmakers. It only ran for one season, but it was about. It was an ESPN original show, like a scripted drama about a fictional football league. But it showed players doing drugs and steroids and all this stuff. And so the NFL got pissed and threatened to cancel their contract with ESPN. Mm -hmm. So ESPN canceled the show. Well, lo and behold, you know, all the drug noise started really coming out in the next few years. But um that show was very good and had you know the GM side, the coaches side, the player's side, negotiations had all that kind of stuff. But yeah, specifically with Moneyball, Brad Pitt. Just brings, like, I just, I, I mean, I got to imagine that the other GMs who were portrayed in the movie had to be mad about the way they were portrayed.
1: Yeah, they look like fools.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the, the way he, like, works them, essentially. Yeah.
1: I'm sure things didn't go down quite like that. Uh, oh, sure. They got some sorkin'. Of, you
0: know. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, a lot of that is, you know, the theatrical... You know, there's different levels of, you know, what really happened and what didn't. I mean, now the, the streak and everything pertaining to that obviously really did happen. Right. That's.
1: The trades went down.
0: Right. Yeah. The trades went down. They really did take an 11 0 lead. They blew that lead. Hattieburg hit a home run. Like all that stuff happened. And then they lost in five games to so the Twins again. Like all of that did occur. He was going to take the Red Sox job. He, you know, again, I, uh, I, I at the end of the movie, they say that, the Red Sox won the World Series with, you know, they followed the the inspiration of the, the Oakland A's. But, I mean, two key problems with that. Number one, they tried to trade for Alex Rodriguez. They failed, but they still tried. And number two, the other thing I forgot, the thing that launched the big comeback against the Yankees is Dave Roberts stole a base, and one of Billy Bean's main thing was not stealing bases. That's so, true. Sure. At the end, they try to make it seem like because John Henry wanted to hire Billy Bean that he hired the next Billy Bean and Theo Epstein. But really, let's be honest: Theo Epstein is responsible for ending the curse not only in Boston but also in Chicago. He's the GM who won, who who broke both the Red Sox and Cubs curses. He wanted to be that person. He was, and he did it by spending a fuck ton of money on both teams. <laughs> so while they may have valued on base percentage, which was what Moneyball was about, right? I, sort of disagree with that statement. But yeah, Jonah Hill was great too. You mentioned oh. that you wanted to see him and he was... What would you feel about his performance? I
1: really liked it. Yeah. You know? I, I've always been a fan of Jonah. I like seeing him succeed. So, you know, I might be biased towards him, but I thought he did a great job.
0: Well, he brings... The interesting thing is that he sort of brings life to a character that also feels like well, this is what Jonah Hill might have been if he didn't become an actor. Like, yeah. you I just buy that this could just be Jonah Hill just a dude obsessed with baseball. Like, I don't know that he necessarily has Harvard intelligence, but you know what I'm saying? Just his personality, you know, he just sort of brought a very toned down version of himself to this character. I felt like, and it's just, it's interesting watching, you know, I always think when I'm watching movies like this or when I'm not watching them, I'm always like, well, it's not a championship season. What is there? And it's really not the case. Like, you know, maybe it's all about rings, when you're playing, but from the outside perspective, like there's a book called Seven Seconds or Less about the Steve Nash, Amari, Mike D'Antoni's sons by Jack and Callum. I'd like them to make that into a movie. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they are. I don't know. But I would like to see that movie about, you know, the Steve Nash era when the sons were close and competing for titles. Like, I'd like to see that because that is something that to me would be, I, you know, I'd but, but again, it would come out and I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I want to see it. Right, right. Do you like biopics a lot? Like, do um, you,
1: I don't the, like seek them out, right? But you know, there's some that I've watched that I enjoy. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah, but,
0: uh, yeah, I have trouble with biographical stuff sometimes. I don't know. Like, I love Michael Jordan more than anything, and I still haven't watched The Last Dance. And again, there will be people who will be like, "What? What are you talking about?" And those people are from Twitter. But the point is, I love Michael Jordan, and I have the Bulls championships and everything that occurred framed a very specific way from my childhood. And mm-hmm. I just don't know that I necessarily want to let that nostalgia and framework be too messed with by... You know, I obviously know many of the details of The Last Dance and all that, but, you know, I don't know how I'll feel watching all of it all the way through. And so I just haven't yet. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. You'd
1: probably enjoy it. I think,
0: overall. I, think I would probably enjoy it, but I also wonder... I don't know. I just have a very... I also have a strange sense of... You know how I am about finishing things. I don't always want to do it.
1: You've been working on that. I
0: have been trying to actually... When it comes to finishing things in terms of projects or television shows, I never want to do it. But in any case, Moneyball, very good movie. And something... it just a really enjoyable way to pass the time when you're not having the best day ever. I'll give you that. But I'll tell you something. The Ocean's movies. Brad Pitt is really... I, I I do thoroughly enjoy Brad Pitt as an actor. I will be honest. He's... I didn't like Ad Astra, but... Uh, oh, yeah.
1: Ad Astra. He uh, was good in it, though. I mean, he was good, but yeah. the
0: story was disappointing.
1: Yeah. Not enough space. Too much father-son.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a father-son space drama with not enough space and too much father-son drama. Yeah.
1: I like 12 Monkeys. with Brad Pitt.
0: Yes. That's... I like Twelve Monkeys without Brad Pitt, and I'm not saying I don't want Brad Pitt and Twelve Monkeys. I mean the television show, right? That Brad Pitt because is not in, yeah. which we need to finish also. We do need to finish. So it? that's another thing that we can finish and discuss. Yes. On this podcast, we will discuss things that are five to ten years old, mm-hmm. and you will <laughs> not listen. That's fine. It doesn't matter. We'll say
1: things like he was good, <laughs>
0: and he was great, or movie. he was terrible, yeah. and he was not good. I could be. I could be a film reviewer. This film is bad. Or a food critic. This food is bad. That's a really deep cut joke. Actually, is that a deep cut joke? Um, I think my nephews would get it, so I'm going to say no, it's not a deep cut joke. I think
1: it's pretty, if you've watched The Office, you would get that.
0: And everyone has watched The Office too many times. I mean, Peacock built their entire streaming service around how much of The Office you intend to watch. Yeah, That was a pretty unexpected idea. And on that segue, whoa... Mr. Smart Guy here. So So you do not really like reality TV that much.
1: Other than Big Brother, not really. I don't go out of my way to watch it.
0: So Big Brother, that's really the only one. Right. You watched some of like 90 Day Fiance before the 90 Days with me when uh what's her name got attacked by a machete. Yes. You watched so we saw Okay so But you're not a So it's fair to say that, like, like reality TV is just not your thing. Like, you're not seeking out reality shows. No. So, <laughs> when when we decided to watch an episode of Unexpected, which is a show on TLC about unexpected pregnancies, it's fair to say that you did not consider, you didn't think you were going to give a shit or want to watch much of it.
1: Fair? Yeah, like, I didn't think I'd get emotionally involved with the characters, I guess. And now we're
0: watching season two a day later, and that's what's unexpected <laughs> two times now about yeah. this show. I don't even know how to. Dating back to like sixteen and pregnant and engaged on in underage on MTV, I truly enjoy watching children fuck up their lives and play it out on camera for me to watch. <laughs> I think it's hilarious, and not sure one could argue well, they have a bunch of money now and blah blah blah, they had kids when they were teenagers. You know, I worked in Europe in my 20s because I had nothing to tie me down. You will never do that now. Yeah. And most of them have multiple kids over time. Like
1: I played StarCraft. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, okay, so you're going against the argument I'm making, but that's fine. The point (laughs) is it's hilarious to watch teenagers get pregnant and try to sell it as, you know, what they've always wanted and how they're all going to be married forever. Um. What is your favorite part of, my favorite part is obviously watching people whose lives are worse than mine, but what is your favorite part of watching Unexpected? Like, what (laughs) is, what was Unexpected for you? I'm going to stop now. What were you surprised that you enjoyed the most about
1: it? I don't know. I just, I guess the, the tension, I don't know. Like, just how, it's interesting to see how people deal with conflict. You know, you get to see people's outbursts and things like that, and you ask yourself, well, how would I handle this situation differently? Right. Or what would I say in this situation so that this blow-up wouldn't happen? Like, it, that's an interesting aspect of me to
0: me. Like, when Brittany and I talk about 90 Day Fiance, especially when we talk about it on this show, like, we talk about how it always makes us feel better that, like, we're not those people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, like... Not to say that they're all bad people or something, but it's like, man, we're never fighting in the parking lot of a restaurant and the cops get called. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see these things on TV and I'm like, man, that makes me feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. So, I wonder if I'm watching Unexpected and I'm like, man, well, I didn't do that. I didn't fuck up my life that way. I didn't fuck up my kid this way. I didn't fuck up my kid that way. So, like, all those things make me feel ultimately better about myself in the long run. And I, I kind of feel like, you know, that's like... It's tips for you on how to be a good father by watching kids be a bad father. <laughs> right.
1: You get to an idea of what to expect. What not to do, you know. You get to hear perspective of what it likes to be a, a father from a teenager, you know, you know. You get to see how quickly they grow up. You wonder if you could do the same. If you were in the same circumstance.
0: Yeah, I definitely couldn't have done the same. I'll give him that. If I was Luckily enough for me, no one wanted me to get them pregnant when I was a teenager, so I didn't happen to have those problems, but I just, I just, it's truly tremendous that there's literally never enough, like, there's like how many shows about (laughs) kids who were pregnant as teenagers and... All of these fucking kids, their mothers were also teenage mothers. Yeah. And, like, some of their mothers were teen. It's just fantastic. The producers seek them out.
1: Yeah. They must seek out families that have recurring teenage practices. Yeah,
0: these multi-generational families of teen And it's just, like, I don't even care. Like, good for them. They're living lives the way they want. I'm not, like, trying to shame them for what they do. Like, they're living lives the way they want to. But I just, I can't imagine, like, being thrilled Like, being so thrilled about not getting to live my life at all, that I wanted to go on television and show the whole world everything, and some of the things that go on, and they talk, I just can't even fucking believe that, (laughs) I just, I'm astounded at what people will do to be on television. Like...
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I want... To do a podcast because I get to tightly control it and edit it and it will sound exactly as I want. And suffice it to say, that is not the case on unexpected. Like, it's hard to deal with like some of the. Oh my God. It's just, it's just insane watching. I mean, if nothing else, it's just truly insane watching children. Try to talk about how they're going to take care of children. Because that's ultimately what this is. Yeah.
1: You, you look at these these people, and it's hard not to see them as just babies, really. You know, we're in our 30s now, and you see, like, Michaela. in the first season. She just looks so young, and this is already after she's had the baby, and it's just like, it hits you, and it's like, wow. You know.
0: Yeah, they've lived they've half been- as long as yeah. me. And now they're about to live that whole time frame again. Michaela's like 17, I think. So she's half our age. So now she's going to live the second half of her life to reach our age. And that whole time is going to be with the kid. Like, imagine if you've had a kid for the last almost 20 fucking years.
1: Like, how would life be different? I know. That's the thing. It's like, she's probably going to be more mature than us when she's 22.
0: Well, there's absolutely no question about that. (laughs) Everyone who's 22 is more mature than I am. I don't think anyone doubts
1: that. So there
0: you go. Yeah. I mean, and that is ultimately, I mean, again, it's good for them in some ways, but uh, like a lot of them just end up like being exploited and having their lives ruined
1: and Mm. then they get pregnant again. That's why this show, like, are they getting scale or what? Like, did they get, they must be getting paid. Uh, you know, at least a de- decent wage.
0: I mean, I imagine that at least in the second season, the ones who come back have to be making more than scale. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I don't even know what scale is Neither at this I. point, so like, I don't even know. Like, I don't know their lives. I don't know yeah. if it's worth it to them. I don't know. They're but, probably getting at least ten
1: grand a season.
0: I mean, it's certainly worth it to them because they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, some of the girls who were on Dance Moms mm-hmm. were like made, like, a million dollars or some shit. So, like... Really? Yeah. I mean, that show was insanely popular. Uh, So, I don't know what these girls are making. They're certainly making more than scale, I'm sure. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know what... I don't know how much economic value is... I mean, I don't know. Like, because that's the thing we always wonder with 90 Day Fiance, too. Because... These people are always like, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. I don't have any money. And yet somehow they're always traveling
1: across the fucking world. That's the biggest thing about teen pregnancy is like, how is this person going to provide for this child? But if you have MTV or whoever is producing this This one's TLC, but yeah. Paying you bill? Like, that whole level is kind of gone now. It completely changes the game. Because now these aren't just kids who can't take care... They have, they're have they being funded by a huge corporation.
0: Not so. only that, you're going to get to a better hospital. You're going to yeah. get the best care.
1: Yeah.
0: You're going to get the best lawyer so that your boyfriend isn't sent to jail for statutory rape. Right. Which, again, yeah. I just don't understand how some of these... like I guess the laws are just different than we think they are. Because I just don't understand some of these dudes being like, I'm 18 and she's 16 and I got her pregnant when she was 15. I wouldn't go on camera and talk about that. I'd fucking run the other direction. (laughs) Like you I don't I don't understand what these dudes and but they don't get in trouble for it. Right. So I mean, cool, I guess it's fine. There's not any major age gaps, obviously. If it was like a 25 and 15 year old, then he'd be speaking from his prison cell. But it's still just I can't I can't believe like they can just have a pregnant fifteen year old on there. Like I thought there were rules about these things, and it's just crazy to me, like what I obviously know nothing about. Mm-hmm. And so you learn, you learn that too, like just how fucking ignorant you are about everything. Like I thought a pregnant 15 year old would just instantly be trouble for whatever boy did it. I obviously know fucking nothing about the world. And so that's like, you know, a new thing that I learned. Mm-hmm. Um It's just interesting. Like I learned that it's apparently like a horrendous faux pas to try to have a baby shower if you have more than one kid.
1: Yeah. Like I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had no clue about that. And again, this is ultimately we're watching a show like even the tell alls all like this programming is aimed at women, so good for us for really getting out there. We're watching it with my girlfriend, whatever.
1: So but, as a like a teenager, it's not illegal to impregnate another teenager. Okay. Apparently. But, but if you filmed yourself doing it, that would be child pornography. Right, that's that joke mm-hmm. I tell. Oh, okay. Remember that's the,
0: the <laughs> joke I have a joke that's um I it's uh, I can't remember all the details of the joke, but I said if you, essentially the the final two points are like if you have sex with a hooker that's illegal, but if you film it that's pornography, and if you kill a person that's illegal, but if you kill him wearing a badge that's being a police officer. I can't remember the exact punchline of my joke. It's very. It's a really good stand-up comedy telling of a joke I just butchered right there. I'll remember it at some point, but essentially that's... Yeah, it's like if you do something, it's legal, but if you film it, it's illegal. That was the basis of my joke. And I had one more thing, because rule of threes for comedy, but I can't remember it right now. But the point is, I'm saying on this podcast at this point in time, I have a joke about it. Therefore, that's in the record, and it's proof that it exists. Mm
1: -hmm. Don't
0: steal it. Can't be... Remember that dude who like stole my joke and yeah. then I went on stage and like screamed at him yeah. and he didn't he do my joke. Ever never came again.
1: back
0: to any. <laughs> <student> <laughs> he, he was very afraid <laughs> of us after that. We saw him like one time. I feel like <laughs> yeah. in the future, yeah. And he was like chill, Yeah. but he, I he did he stayed. He never came back to the library. Yeah, I feel like I I did. like because I I was hosting that night, right? I think I hosted. I think he you did. You did. And you did. I was like closing out the open mic, and the dude like did my joke at my fucking show. And, I, I, and the thing is, the joke was about committing murder. And so I actually ended up adding a secondary punchline on the end of the joke about him stealing my joke. And I'm like, I already killed my girlfriend in the joke. You think I'm not going to kill you for stealing the joke? I never killed my girlfriend, really. The joke is, she cheated on me in real life. I came to visit her, and she was with another guy. And it's very terrible. That really happened to me. I had to live through that. So I made a joke about killing them both. It never happened. You can't tell it. In this world anymore. And then of course I have the other version of the joke where I say, but now in the Me Too world I had to stop telling the real version. So I'm just a terrible person who tells terrible jokes and everyone will hate me and cancel me. You know, I constantly live in fear of something I might have said one time mm-hmm. because I Like I wasn't self actualized or I wasn't out yet. And I, I don't I just I'm worried that I like made a joke one time that I didn't yeah. And sure. then I will just be ruined forever. Wow. Like I I live in fear of that because I truly don't know everything I've ever said. And yeah. I I don't I'm not a hateful person. I don't think hateful things. But like I just don't know if everyone knows everything they've ever said and I'm worried that I was drunk one time and mm-hmm. said something I shouldn't have or something in my life. I, we are like way off track right never now. Never apologize for it. Just, that's yeah. what we learned from yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah. Just never apologize for anything. Right. That is what we learned from Donald Trump yeah. by the way. Like, if you simply never acknowledge that you've done anything wrong, and if you just never apologize, you could be president.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's literally those are like his only qualifications. He's he's just like yeah no that didn't happen yeah. he just lied or Clinton did it too so it wasn't, or did it worse <laughs> oh man. We're going to, like, before five, if we, like, let this keep going for now, five minutes for now, we're going to be like... And the other thing about (laughs) the Senate Appropriations (laughs) Committee bill is, this happens a lot with us, where it's like a genuine, fun discussion about something, and then, like, 20 minutes later, it's like a very systematic discussion about the actual mechanics of liberal leftist politics <laughs> and how it, those things should interlock. Because we were talking about teen pregnancy. We really were. Yeah. And then, like, I just... I always... And so, I, <laughs> this is my promise on the show. My promise was that I would never be sober and clear-headed and focused. I made that promise. Yeah. So I think it's, like, up to me to live up to it. You're
1: a man of your word. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, don't I need not to lie to these people. No, I
0: don't want, yeah. you, you know, you and whoever else might be listening yeah. <laughs> to, to think that I planned any of this right. or that... You know, I thought out what I was thinking. And that's the other difficult thing, too, is, like, I wouldn't call it blacking out, but I don't necessarily remember everything I've said at the end of these podcasts. And I don't just go listen to every minute of it. So sometimes I wonder, like, hey, do I sound like a fucking moron on there? No. You would say that. You're on the show right now. Mm -hmm. You've got a spot to be here. Mm. You would never criticize me because then you would lose all of your future... That's true. <laughs> ...your guest hosting spots. My your, end, yeah. You'd lose your conspiracy uh, theory <laughs> Keith Friday spot yeah, that I'm planning. My platform would be... <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> your, your platform... We really should sometimes just sit down and, like, go over all the conspiracy theories that a certain friend uh-huh. has told us about. Because we have a friend... Oh, yeah. We have a friend who is QAnon adjacent. Yeah. And... Man, we've heard some really interesting... And it's not from him. He's not the one who... He doesn't dream up any of these things. He's really just reading to us or telling us what he reads. So it has really nothing to do with him, ultimately. And he's not even necessarily saying that he endorses those things. He just reads them and says they're interesting. Which, I don't know how you could say they're interesting. The word I would say that starts with I-N is insane. But in any case... My father also reads shit like this and says it's interesting, and I want that man to burn in hell, so one day we should just sit down and talk about all the various conspiracy theories in the world, because there's so many. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're throwing babies in the wood chippers. That's interesting.
0: That's a really good plot. (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) That's, that's on the next season of Unexpected, I feel like. (laughs) This is what, that was extremely unexpected. They're throwing babies into wood chippers. Interesting, though. That is interesting. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. Well, okay. So that's the other thing, too. Parlor was shut down this weekend. Mm -hmm. And, um, good, right? Because parlor's terrible, but I, Curious about it, I made a parlor account because I wanted to troll, and I basically posted a bunch of posts that had like rambling misspellings about Adrena Chrome <laughs> and all these things, and like people would like upvote them, yeah. <laughs> and and I I just wanted to see like what kind of crazy bullshit was there, and now I'm telling you like someone's gonna like figure out how to link that account to me, and they're gonna like claim that I'm like a right wing crazy <laughs> conspiracy theorist because I had a parlor account, even though it was. Obviously for trolling, but like it is amazing how insane the the right wing people are with the conspiracy theories. And I really think it would just be fun to sit down and <laughs> like you could spend hours. I really do want to one day sit down and map out how the whole adrenochrome thing is just stolen from the Maze Runner. I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to find a way to to to. <laughs> I'm gonna find a way to link those things together, and then I'm gonna do a whole Maze Runner, Adrenochrome Chrome series. We were literally talking about teen pregnancy like five minutes ago, and yeah, yeah, we were, and I have gotten us way off the track. In yeah, any I case, did. yeah, well, you know, this is the Mont Doctor show. You know, Howard Stern, who personally I don't want to, but I can acknowledge is in many ways the way he does his show is the impetus for the way I want to do the show. Just truthfully, like he's an incredible interviewer. The the format is very chillax and it's group oriented, you know. It is. Um but he would never feel bad about segueing from teen pregnancy to congressional politics. No. Or back.
1: Nor should he.
0: Nor should he. Yeah. And so my point about unexpected is that I'm gonna watch all four seasons <laughs> yeah. and then I'm gonna keep watching. Yeah. Cause I just can't. I can't put these shows away, like Married at First Sight, 90 Day Fiance, Love After, oh my god, Love After Lockup. Brittany and I don't think we've really done a really good Love After Lockup show yet, and we need to, because that show is just so fucking spectacular. It's just amazing. And it's the same thing with Big Brother. Like, I like watching people put into a room who probably shouldn't be put into a room together and just seeing what happens. Like, what is, like, what draws you to Big Brother without being a a a reality TV person? Like, what is it about? And we've watched many seasons together, but I'm just curious, like in your mind, what makes you like, Oh, I got to get back to that.
1: It is, it is the reality aspect of it though. It is, there's a strategy aspect. And then also, you know, seeing people try to weigh, you know, do I stay loyal to these new people and these new friendships, or do I pursue the money? You know, do I lie to this person that's now my friend? Or do I throw them into the bus to further myself into this game? Like, it's an interesting thing to watch.
0: Have you ever applied to be on Big Brother? No. Would you ever apply to be on Big Brother?
1: Um, Maybe. I don't... I think I'm past the age that I would be admitted. You know? I know there are people that have been, that have been... Yeah, I mean, there have had
0: people in their 60s and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah there's been 39-year-olds and people in their 40s, but it's so rare and it's only one and they, I don't know if they've ever won. I don't think they have. And
0: that now it's trending yeah. toward now. they're like trending towards it's all 25 year old hot right. singles, which right. is obnoxious too. like, yeah, it's, it was better when it was like a cross section of the population. Right. And it was just like different people and they just let them be themselves. Like to me, that was the best
1: time on, um, I, that's why I really enjoy Canadian big brother. Yeah. I th- I feel like it kind of goes back to basics. Yeah, yeah, because they did sort of
0: start to get obsessed with having all of their twists and getting away from at times like what the show even was mm-hmm. like. But yeah, I mean, there are it, a lot of twists
1: in Canadian versions.
0: Well, the twists are cool, but like sometimes they take away. Like, sometimes they almost take away from the game itself. They do. They do, and. Yeah, I mean the whole just evolving into all hot single stuff. I hate that. Like, mm-hmm. as a fat person, I'm like, you best. <laughs> yeah, let me compete, you sons of bitches. Um, but Big Brother is for anyone who's never watched it, go to YouTube and watch Big Brother season two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Big Brother U.S. season two. That is that is still one of the gold standards. Yeah. of of reality television. I'm delaying moving on from this topic because I don't want to talk about the sons right now. Because this is getting like, like we're seven and four, which is good, but it's also where we were last year. We should be better, right? And now we have like
1: <laughs> fewer games to get to the playoffs. And we keep getting what's the blowouts again? Like <laughs> I didn't see the day's game. I didn't see the score. We were watching some other stuff, so I didn't even. We I got no destroyed. Idea. Like what was the final? I,
0: I think we lost by like twenty one. Right. And it just they like, didn't even have Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. And, and it just, it just, it just, it's a bill played. But uh, I've uh, I've said so many things right here, sitting in this seat. I have sat here and said so many things about this team, like defending. My position, I I ranted right before the season about how Book is better than Paul George. I sat right here and I did that. And I I just, I'm, I don't, and it's a new coach, and, and, I, and it's just, I, I just, it's a weird season. There have been blowouts, but man, what's happening when we're falling behind by 20 in the first half again, by 30 in the first half again, multiple times? In the space of two weeks, like, what are we doing? Every time that we have a moment and an opportunity to get to the next level where we can separate ourselves and have the number one seed or when we can be on national television and prove what's up or when people are about to take notice every single fucking time, we blow it. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I just, it's, I'm, I'm frustrated because. Like today is one of those days. Like they shot the lights out. Like at one point, it was like 57 to 26 with five minutes left in the third. Like it was or in the second. Like it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. They made everything. We made nothing. Those things happen, but it's happening a lot. And it's starting to seem like all of the good defensive metrics and all of that stuff were just teams missing shots. Mm-hmm. And so now I just don't know. I don't know. I got, I got to play hard on
1: defense though. We do. Yeah.
0: We we're playing we're we're playing harder than we ever did because this we certainly never played hard on defense before. Yeah.
1: So I don't think it's an effort issue, and it and I would look at our defensive ratings up to this game. I think they probably would be in the top of the league. They
0: had been. Yeah. I mean, we were staying in the top ten in defense and everything like that. So you know, and I I, I just think you know there are some nights where you're just going to get blown out. Even people are gonna hit triples, but it's happened so often lately I'm just concerned that and again, yeah, I gotta go watch today and I'll have to get on league pass and rewatch the game and uh because there was you know the national championship game which happened tonight. I don't even know what I don't even care I bet the under I was stupid to bet the I just thought that there was defense left in football i I just such a I'm such a slave to betting the over Mm -hmm. that I'm like, oh, 75 on the college football. That's blow And it's because, you know, just whatever. So I just don't, I feel, in some ways I feel good to be seven and four and be pissed because that's not good enough. Right. Like, Expecting more like last year when we were seven and four I was like through the roof. And now I'm like, Well that's not where we need to be. <laughs> right.
1: It's not reflective of where we're at or where we
0: should, we should yeah. be like nine and two. Yeah. You know?
1: But where are we in the division? So aren't we still like three or four? We're division? right
0: near the yeah. top. Yeah. I mean we're right, you know, everyone's kind
1: of had a sluggish.
0: Yeah, it's you know, and there've been weird blowouts. And I you know, I'm not trying to it's a weird season, there are weird times, but if it was one game, mm-hmm. I wouldn't worry so much about it. If it was two games, I wouldn't worry so much about it. But the Wizards have sucked all year, and they haven't. They've been letting everyone score, and yeah. we couldn't score at all, and we couldn't stop anyone. And I'm just frustrated to lose. We lost to the Pistons and the Wizards in the three game span, and we beat the Pacers in between. Like
1: what the hey, f- what does that say about you? Yeah. Because because the Pacers are the most difficult team of all three of those right you know, that's the one we would beat I'm 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 concerned about our ability to get to the basket and and score in the paint and so like when our jumpers aren't falling and our threes aren't falling we're not able to score anymore. and,
0: and that's ultimately really what happened tonight truthfully this jumpers aren't going and we just keep shooting them.
1: And the thing is, if we have Aiden, we should be able to get to the basket. We should be able to score in a paint. We should be able to fucking throw up alley-oops and dunks and do pick-and-rolls right to the basket. Like, that's what we should be seeing more than threes, in my opinion.
0: And, well, because we know how good of a shooting team this is. But it's like, yeah, I mean, like, ideally Aiden would be a relief valve when things aren't working. Mm -hmm. You go to the big man and just let him go to work inside. And he's not... We don't have that. Right yeah, now. he's proven he's not going to do that. But also, like, to watching some of these games and some of these possessions at the rim, I literally, again, sat here and said, defensive player of the year. And he was playing awesome. And the last couple of games, he's, like, sometimes, like, so woefully out of fucking position. And he's out of position on the rebounds. And the ball bounces out of his hands. And he's not looking when he's dribbling. And it just, I just, it just, uh, like. The stuff that's derailing us is AAU child bullshit. We're turning the ball over. We're not able to handle the ball on cuts to the rim. It's just, it's embarrassing basic stuff. Mm -hmm. If you throw out tonight's loss and just say it's a poor shooting night, the Pistons game is a fucking joke. Right. We should have won that game in 20 different ways.
1: We were up 20. Yeah, we just went to sleep in that game, I feel like.
0: And then we still had every opportunity to We had three opportunities to score at the end and win. Right. And blew every single one of them. And then scored, like, no points in overtime. I know.
1: That was embarrassing.
0: And then we come out the next night and we beat the Pacers. And that's great. And I love a big win. And the Pacers are a good team. Of course, the Pacers lost to the Kings tonight. But, you know, all the depot's back. And Malcolm Brogdon looks like an all-star. And Sabonis looks like an all-star. They're playing great. It's a big win. And then you can't even handle the wizards. I just don't. The inconsistency is a maddening feature of the Suns. Mm-hmm. And I think last year we fell to like seven and six, and then eight and six. So you know, it would really be great. You know, I told you before to see. I wanted to, like I wanted like twenty and ten. You know, I wanted to see. You know, let's show material improvement that this is you know something in the in a regular season, something in the realm of a fifty win team, right? And they're still technically on that pace, Mm -hmm. but, dude, that Pistons loss makes me mad. Just straight up, that that loss makes me mad. Like, (laughs) I don't know what else to say. It made me angry. Like, it just, there were so many opportunities to win, and they just, let's not, eight losses in a row to the Pistons, and it just looked slack, lazy, it just, the offense was, the defense wasn't lazy. They, well, the Pistons did get to the rim. But, I mean, Jeremy Grant was awesome. And, you know, he just scored in so many ways. But the offense was lazy in that game. And just...
1: Well, there were like three of like 33s at some point in the second half. Like something ridiculous
0: like It that. just was... It was bad. And the next game was great against the... And it's just... Yeah. It's the whole thing about playing to the level of your competition. And tonight they didn't even play to the level of the Wizards. They played 50 levels of crap below the Wizards. <sighs> Let's just hope for... Things to get on track. Because Mikael Bridges is having a most improved player type season. Yeah. And Chris Paul looks like Chris Paul. He's an all pro orchestrator of the offense. And Devin Booker isn't even playing well. Right. And we're still seven and four. So all of these things bode well. But man.
1: I'm still optimistic. You know, of all the games I've watched, I haven't really seen that many teams that are playing better than us right now. You know, even though, you know, regardless of the blowouts.
0: Yeah. I mean it's It's hard. It's, yeah, it's hard to say because like the first half of this game is a disaster and you want to just throw it out and say, Oh, it's not realistic, you know, much like you would have with the Clippers game. But in the Clippers game, we got back in and took it to two. Right. In this game, we were never in this game again. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's still early. It's hard to say it means too much, but it does, there does need to be a sense of, We've got to close out some of these games. We need to do a better job of closing these games out. We can't fall back into these patterns. You can't fall into losing habits. I will say, you know, we talked about before the season the sarge Bain thing. Mm -hmm. Baines is not looking so good. Yeah. So the Sarge thing is looking like it was the right move.
1: That's
0: good. I do think we're going to need a big. I still think there's a possibility that we need to acquire another big. I don't know if, you know sorry or Jones are big enough in the playoffs to be the backup. But again, the guy I wanted was—I really think Dwight Howard would have been perfect. That by would have Dayton. been awesome. Just as the guy to play those backup minutes. That
1: would have been a great pickup. I mean, he
0: did a great job for the Lakers last yeah. year, and he would have—he would have fit in really well here, playing those backup 15 to 20 minutes a game next to Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson or Jay Crowder or whoever was playing power we forward just at that point. Need that size. He's huge against the Sixers or
1: whatever. At him, and we wouldn't have lost that. game. Yeah, no and one. now
0: the Sixers have him behind Embiid, uh, yeah. and it just is one of those. I thi- meant the
1: Pistons. Oh, oh yeah, it.
0: yeah, and well, and that's the yeah. thing. Like, like I know, I know that Dwight Howard is not Dwight Howard anymore. I'm not trying to say that he's a megastar or something. I'm saying that for a few minutes a game, he's fucking huge. He still knows how to rotate on defense. He still blocks shots. He's still athletic. He's still a good. Solid pick and roll offensive player. It just would have been the dream pickup, but Mm -hmm. you know, he wanted to go to Philadelphia. He thought they had a better chance. It is what it is. I don't know if the Suns ever would have even considered him. I don't think James Jones wants that type of personality, but in terms of size and fit, you know, I would, it's just something I would have loved to see, but hopefully they'll, you know, be somewhat available on the trade or buyout market. Who knows? We'll see. We'll have to see, but I do think the Suns may need another because I just dude, We don't have Aiton is big enough, obviously Aiton's huge, right. but I, it's the backup. Right, Sarge.
1: You
0: know, like, it's tough for him to play. I mean, he gets bullied inside sometimes.
1: Like Crowder is a better substitution for Aiton than like anyone else on our team, I and mean, he can't substitute.
0: Anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's it's yeah. Crowder's such yeah. It's no, it's just true. We just don't we. Yes. I mean Sarge yeah, I mean well Saw and yeah sarge works perfectly when we're trying to play, you know, spread five.
1: Yeah.
0: But when he goes inside and has to protect the rim, or when he's trying to finish at the rim, he, he just yeah. He, he yeah, he doesn't have like hops really. I mean, he and, can't finish
1: through those guys. Yeah.
0: yeah. And Anthony Davis, when they play, goes right through him.
1: Yeah.
0: So in those minutes when Aiden is not playing, or when Aiton is not playing well, what the hell are we gonna do? And
1: Kaminsky can't go
0: through those. Yeah, Kaminsky is, you know, he's you know, he's yeah, Crowder can get to the
1: rim, I feel like. I feel like he
0: could. Yeah, but he can't, you know, Crowder could never defend. You know, he could play small ball five in, in some lineups where you were trying to punish another team's small ball unit mm-hmm. or where you were trying to pull their big away from the rim. That would totally work. I don't know how much we're ever, I don't know how much he's ever really done that. Maybe they did that in Miami some. I don't know that we're going to do that, but... When you're playing some of these teams, the Jokic's of the world, the Anthony Davises of the world, the Joel Embiid's of the world, and Aiton's in foul trouble, someone has got to come out and not get absolutely pummeled for those minutes. And I love Dario Sharic a lot, but the problem is he can't play with Aiton. Right. And when he's, you know, playing these bigs, he's outmanned. We don't have anyone. Yeah. And, and that's where. I mean, dude, my dream guy would have been Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. That that would have... But you couldn't sign Jay Crowder and Serge Ibaka. So Dwight Howard, you could have had Jay Crowder and Dwight Howard. That would have been perfect. But we'll see. I mean, you know, there are guys available.
1: Who's available?
0: Nolan Zoel well could theoretically be available. I mean, there are, you know... I mean, Lowry marketing. not that he's necessarily done a lot. We'd have to give up a lot to get him, but in terms of cheap contracts... I mean, there are guys, but... I don't know how Lowry really holds up on the defensive end in that exact scenario. But we are going to be playing in the playoffs, and we're going to be playing meaningful series, and in the playoffs, big men are more important, and in the playoffs, half-court offense is more important. And we're not elite at those things right now, and we're just going to need to figure out ways to... I mean, either, just truly, either Darius Sarch has got to get better on defense or Damian Jones has got to play more minutes. Because our Jalen Smith, our draft pick number 10, who is supposed to be you know, a potential backup center. Well, at least he ain't it right now. It's not going to happen this season. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll see about the future, but that ain't it right now. And then finally, I am worried. Not that I am... Not that I'm, like, guaranteeing horrible things are going to happen or... Not that I've never been... I'm just... You know... The Saints played us so well this season. Us being the Bucks. Yes, I said us. Shut up. I don't care. And it got worse from game one to game two. And now Tampa Bay goes to New Orleans again. And I'm just... I'm, I'm having anxiety, shall we call it. You know, I'm, I'm stressed out. I
1: think you're justified. Yeah, I think most people would say would pick the Saints over the Bucks in this game.
0: I think, I think probably, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think the Saints are going to be favored. Yeah, but I think after what happened, especially they went on national TV and everyone, everyone picked the Bucks before the game. Yeah. Even Tony Dungy, everyone, the whole Thursday night or Sunday night football crew, whatever the fuck it was, they all picked the Bucks. Everyone. And the Saints won 35-3. And so, I they're obviously going to be favored. Rightfully so. They won the division. They kicked our ass twice. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to pick them to win. Fine. And I'm not... I still think the Bucks are going to win, obviously. I always believe in Tom Brady. Me
1: too.
0: No matter what. But, man, I mean, this is going to be... <sighs> it's, I mean, it's going to be something else. Like, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Like, it's going to be... It should be one hell of a game, because yeah. you, I don't think, I mean, I Tom Brady's never lost to one team three times in one season. Right. So that's going to be difficult enough, as is, for the Saints to pull off.
1: No, I don't think there's any, you know, like, there's no moral <sighs> victories or whatever, but if there's a loss, I don't want it to be, I want us to score more than three points. Like, I want it to be a game, at least, if we lose, like, not the.
0: Yeah, bad. sure. I mean, but, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would be happy. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think anyone would be like, well, we lost, by, but you're right, that it's like... It,
1: I don't want to have to turn the game off after halftime.
0: Yes, right, because it was so... The last game was, like, thoroughly embarrassing. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I totally get that. And that's that also represents the mindset. It's like, damn, it's like the Saints are a really good team. Yeah. But also, on the flip side of that, like, again, when has Tom Brady ever lost to a team three times in one season? I can't think of it's, it's never happened, yeah. and you're going to tell me that you have three successful plans to stop him and he's not going to have one good game. I just don't buy that. I think the Buccaneers are at a level that they haven't played at before. Antonio Brown is starting to look like an actual problem on the offensive side. He was a weapon in this game. He's caught multiple long touchdowns. He's been effective running the ball. Mike Evans had was fucking fine. I was, like, so worried about Mike Evans. He had 114 yards or something. Yeah. Like, he's looks like Mike Evans. Godwin's amazing. Like...
1: Hopefully his jitters are, are gone now. Hopefully it was just the first game and he'll be making catches again.
0: Really? The only thing is the
1: goddamn drops. He dropped quite a few balls, you know. It's...
0: it's Godwin, I think, had three drops himself. And it's just, yeah. like, it's been a problem the whole season. Fournette was awesome in this game with Jones out. Um, hopefully Jones is all okay, good to go. I think it was mostly um... You know, pregame injury precautionary, it's not something that, you know, takes him out for the season or something, but good to see that Fournette is really, I mean, Fournette played a really nice game. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Didn't he have the one play with the two spin moves?
1: Or like, yeah, yeah. Man. He pulled the matrix on.
0: Yeah. Taylor Heineke was really good for the Washington oh, football yeah. team. Hell yeah. That was
1: a good story. Good
0: for him. I hope that dude, I think he will, you know, he'll... He'll get a job next year. Obviously, I don't think he's a starter, but he's going to get a job backing up somewhere. He should be in the league. Yeah. He deserves to be in the league. It's hard to do that in a playoff game, coming in and never having been there, and just with one week of reps. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Like, that's that stuff is tough to do, and it shows a level of understanding of the game. It shows a level of toughness. And, I mean, let's be honest, when he scrambled for that touchdown, like, yeah. That was the moment, you he, know. He
1: won the confidence of his players almost immediately.
0: Yeah. The, the, every dude every dude on Washington, they believed in him. Yeah. And, I mean, they damn near pulled it. Up. I mean, well, I, I don't want to say damn near, but they played a really good game. Yeah, and he, right. he earned a job. If I'm Washington, you know, I want to keep him. You yeah. know, I want to do my best to keep that dude around. Because you need competent backups in this league. Especially in this day and age when you have teams that are competing with Quarterbacks on rookie contracts, and you've got so many, you know, expensive players, and you know, you can build a Super Bowl team really at any time so quickly. If your quarterback gets injured, you need someone competent. Look at the Eagles. I we hate talking about the Eagles Super Bowl win on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Doug Peterson got fired by the Eagles. Very interesting to see who will end up replacing him. Seems like they were gonna keep Wentz or excuse me, trade Wentz and keep Peterson. Now they fired Peterson, maybe they'll keep Wentz. In any case, Bucks Saints. I think the keys are going to be obviously the Bucks' offensive line has to hold up. The Saints really got to Tom Brady both games and affected what the Bucks wanted to do. In the second game, the Bucks could literally do nothing. Antonio Brown had really just come in at that point, though they really didn't run the ball at all. There's a lot of differences between that and now, and I think that I mean this will certainly be. There's no way this is going to be a thirty-five to three. Like I can't. If this game was a blowout in favor of the Saints, I wouldn't even know what to say. I I just I will say Drew Brees does have a winning record against Tom Brady. So if Tom Brady, despite the Taylor Heineke game, even if Alex Smith had been healthy, it's still a six and or seven and nine football team. Like, come on. Um if Tom Brady beats Drew Brees in New Orleans and he beats Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And then he wins a Super Bowl in his home stadium in his first year with the new team against whoever it is, especially if it was Patrick Mahomes. That would be like maybe his best Super Bowl run ever.
1: Yeah, I'm almost sounds kind of down.
0: I mean, I don't know. Because he's never played on wildcard weekend before. So the whole thing about, oh, well, they only played one. Well, well, he never even plays. off. So normally he only has three games instead of four. So if he won four games and three of them were legendary games... Let's say he went through Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Pat Mahomes. Like, is that the best season ever? I know. Like, literally, like you took a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in thirteen years. Right. No off season. Yeah. Very little training camp. And no preseason. And you win a Super Bowl. Like
1: Yeah. That's well, a that's a movie right there.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Now that would be one hell of a movie. Yeah. Like uh the first year in Tampa Bay. It is interesting though, the one thing is like just like all old people, Tom Brady retired to Florida. Like it's just, yeah, of yeah. course, he didn't retire, but every all, all old people go to Florida no matter what, even mm-hmm. if they're playing in the NFL still. But I, this game is, yeah, I mean, like, truthfully, can the Bucks linebackers cover over the middle, and can the Bucks offensive line hold up against the Saints pass rush? If they can do those two things, the Bucks can win. But if Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are just ravaging over the middle, and the Bucks can't hold up, then this game could get really ugly. Yeah, I'm. I refuse to believe that Tom Brady. I just refuse to believe it. I I don't think that there's any possibility that. So you always say it's a, be a high scoring game. It, I do, but I just I just can't see Tom Brady losing three games in one season to this. I mean, statistical oddities happen over a career as long as his. So. I suppose it's technically bound to happen at some point, but also like his career is a statistical. Audience. His career. Yeah. His career itself. Like he's, he's, he's Superman. He's the one who breaks the rules. Like right. he's the exception to the rule. And, and how often do you even play a team three times in one season? And so just, I just, it's just really unlikely to me. I think that I just think. I think this is a really basic statement, but I just think it's true. You're asking me if I want to bet for or against Tom Brady in the playoffs.
1: Right.
0: And the answer is always four. Right. Like, no matter what. Does he win the Super Bowl every year? No. Is that physically possible? No. But does he have, like, 30 playoff wins versus 11 losses? Yes. Yeah. So, you're going to ask me, do I want to bet for or against Tom Brady? The answer is four. Right. And, you know, if... I mean, it... If there are one less drop, and one less penalty, and one less sack, and one less first down on third down over the middle, you know, those few plays give you the edge, and you win this game 31-28. And that's what I'm going to go with. That's my final score. I'm going to say 31-28 bucks win. What do you say? Just give me some numbers.
1: Uh, I don't know. 24-10 bucks. All All right. right. You like to blow out. We we come out, and our defense actually just... Just shows them, you know what, fuck you for the last two games.
0: You know what, that would be incredibly satisfying, because the defense started well, and then when Vita Vea got hurt, ever since then, it's been a little problematic, and it would be great if, you know, Devin White didn't play the last game, so that's part of, you know, why Taylor Heineke was ever played so well, but it would be great if Levante David and Devin White and, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul and... Carlton Davis and everyone could just go out there and just shut this fucking team down like yeah, I would yeah. love that very much that would be I mean I, obviously I want Tom Brady to ball out you know more than anything but that would be the one thing that could be almost as good as that would be if those guys were able to just completely shut down the Saints and if it was never in question or you remember like a couple years ago before the Rams Super Bowl when we were playing the Chargers in the second round mm-hmm. and everyone was like kinda picking the Chargers and we won like thirty five to whatever, like we like whooped their ass, like mm-hmm. like that kind of game where like just everyone's sort of oh the Saints, the Saints and then the Bucks just come out. Like I would Yeah, that would be I, awesome. I would enjoy and I would love a thirty five to three the other way around. Like yeah. just put a beat down on the Saints. And that would also like strike fear into the hearts of the rest of them, like oh shit it's Tom Brady and you yeah. know what I'm saying because oh, yeah. it seems like people don't seem to understand this 43 year old man just threw 40 touchdowns 4600 yards Yeah, I know 12 interceptions he's on a new team they didn't have an off season they barely had training camp like
1: yeah it's not that many interceptions
0: it's really not I mean it's not that many but it's statistically higher than he would typically throw at this stage of his career I mean when he was younger he typically threw about twenty eight touchdowns and twelve picks, truthfully. But like also many of them were tipped interceptions. He had more drops than any quarterback in the NFL this year. Like you know, I can go on and on. But I think Bucks offensive line, Bucks linebackers, penalties, running game. Those things we know Tom Brady's good. We know what everyone can do, so it's the finer points. And I do think they can win. And that is the one doctor show. Thank you, Keith, you're for welcome. joining me for this hour and a half of revelry and discussion. Happy to be here. And this will not be the last time that you're here. No. Because if it is, you're, well, that would piss me off. I don't know. Well, I'll be back. Okay, good. Cause that would have been a really weird way to end it if you had just been silent after that. <laughs> I just, I don't know how I would have dealt with that.
1: Peace.